Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, it sure seems like Notre Dame has a brand new starting quarterback for 2023. Sam Hartman made it official this afternoon on social media. Sam Hartman is fighting Irish. The Wake Forest quarterback jumped into the transfer portal and now has picked the University of Notre Dame. My oh my. How things have changed on the quarterback depth chart over the last 365 days. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Thursday, January the 5th of 2023. It is eight minutes after five o'clock. My name is Darren Pritchett. Great to have you with me on this Thursday evening with a little snow falling. But we'll warm you up with some football conversation tonight as the news we've been waiting on for a little over a week. It's now a done deal. Well, coming up on the program this evening, obviously we're going to talk a ton about Sam Hartman. The opening segment will be about Sam picking the Fighting Irish coming up at the bottom of the hour. The co-host of VEASAN Live's primetime show, Tim Murray's going to join me, a diehard Notre Dame football fan. I would say the biggest Notre Dame football fan from the sports wagering world. So we'll get Tim's reaction to Sam Hartman picking the Irish and what it might mean for futures for this Notre Dame football team. Also coming up on the program this evening, we'll have our Twitter question of the day. We will pit Reese against Golden. I'll explain that coming up in just a little bit. Also, Notre Dame has a safety in town that's visiting a player that's in the transfer portal. We'll tell you about that. Also, coming up later on in the program, Taylor Dahl's going to join me, a Hobart, Indiana native, now works for the flagship station for the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1010XL. She's also the host of South Bend Nation, Windy City Gridiron, Chicago Bears podcast. It's called Making Monsters. We're going to talk to Taylor about the Jaguars' massive game against the Tennessee Titans. The winner wins the AFC South and goes to the playoff. Their loser goes home. And also, we will talk about the Chicago Bears as well. 
featuring a handful of Notre Dame players making up that offense, including Equinemius St. Brown. Got a one-year extension from the Bears yesterday. And, of course, Cole Komet, the starting tight end for Chicago. We'll sneak in a little Big Ten basketball talk and a Sizzler segment before the end of the program. All coming up. Until we're off the air at 7 o'clock, then at 7 o'clock, we are going to hear more about the Notre Dame basketball team with the Mike Bray Show here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Our first pitch tonight, maybe, maybe the Fighting Irish offense's heartbeat will be a little quicker next year. The big story of the day in college football centers around the Notre Dame football team, arguably the best player in the transfer portal. Sam Hartman from Wake Forest made it official on social media a little over an hour ago. As he wrote on social media, onward, hashtag go Irish. And there was a picture of Sam in a Notre Dame uniform. I guess Drew Pine left it behind because Sam has jersey number 10 on for this Fighting Irish football team. You can never have enough quarterbacks. You can never have enough quality football players. Even more importantly, when you have the chance to acquire what we can consider a championship player, regardless of the position, you bring them in. No matter who might have been the starter or the backup at that position, forget about it. You have a chance to bring in a difference-making player, you do it. You don't worry about hurt feelings. This is a big business. There's a lot on the line. There's schedule ahead for this Fighting Irish football team. And also, it's a football team that feels like it can win and win big next year, even though two of the best players are gone to the NFL draft, Isaiah Foskey and Michael Mayer. The potential is there for this team to be strong and in contention for the playoff. But if Notre Dame had not acquired a quarterback of the transfer portal, what would we all be talking about this offseason? There'd be two conversations. Number one, well, is Tyler Buckner ready to be the full-time starting quarterback? You hope he stays healthy and has the chance to play the whole year to show us what he can do. The second part of that question is, is he a quarterback capable of playing championship football? He showed us in the Gator Bowl, he is definitely ready to play winning football. But you also can't give up a pair of pick sixes. One of those should not have been called a pass. It should have been a run. But he still threw the pass on the pass play, and it went the other way for 100 yards. So I think Tyler showed us a glimpse of what he's capable of. For a kid who had not played since September, I thought he was fine. Made a difference in the running game against South Carolina. But again, during this offseason, 
We might have said, well, we love this and we love that, and this is championship level and that's championship level. But when we get to the quarterback position, does Notre Dame have a quarterback that can play at a championship level? Probably, I would have said maybe, but no, not right now. You got to prove it. Well, that changed about an hour ago when, in my opinion, Notre Dame brought in a difference-making quarterback. The first difference-making quarterback for Notre Dame since Brady Quinn played for this football team. They've had some really good players. They've had winning players. They've had players who, as we all have heard, became the all-time winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history, although that stat doesn't mean a whole lot to me. When you win games, you win as a team. When you lose games, you lose games as a team. But in this spot, this kid has the makings of being a difference maker. And to be honest, I will be disappointed if he's not a difference maker. You want to go to the playoff, you better average around 40 points per game. And Notre Dame has not been able to get there. Yeah, if you have an off-the-chart great defense, sure you can get by. But let's take a look at the college football playoffs. You better score in the 40s to have a chance to win. In one case, you needed 51. It's an era of the offense. It's an era of scoring a lot of points. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and that LSU team was a machine. Does anybody remember their defense? No, it was that offense just roaring right down the field, scoring touchdown after touchdown. Sam Hartman has shown to be a guy that can average 60-63%. Throwing the football, 59 for his career, but 63% this year. I think his completion percentage might be a tad lower than you would expect because he throws the deep ball. Wake Forest threw the ball down the field in their slow-developing RPO system, their mesh system. That ball was held in the gut of the running back, it seemed like, for two and a half years. But he got the ball down the field and was pretty good at throwing the ball down the field. When Sam Hartman has been fully healthy, he can be a factor in the running game. Is he as explosive as Tyler Buckner? No. Watching his game film, I would say his running ability is along the lines of Ian Book. Now, this year he did not run as much. I was told by a Wake Forest beat reporter last week, his assessment was Wake Forest probably did not run him as much to protect him after that issue he had with a blood clot in August that caused him to miss the first game of the year. No problem. Still threw 38 touchdown passes. So he's got 17 rushing touchdowns and almost 900 rushing yards in his career. Only 129 rushing yards last year and one touchdown. I think if he's full go, health isn't a concern. He can help you. He can be at least dangerous in the RPO system that the defense has to account for him. When Drew Pine had the ball, did anybody panic and worry about Pine running the football? A little different when Tyler Buckner was in there. Big, big difference. Hartman again can at least keep the defense honest, and I really like that. No one in the history of the ACC has thrown more touchdown passes than Sam Hartman, 110. And only Phillip Rivers from his days at North Carolina State, including his last game, which was against the Irish. 
has thrown more passing yards than Sam Hartman. Tommy Reese, you got your guy now. Now let's see what you got. As I've talked about in this program, I am not as boisterous consistently about his play calling like many of the fans. Most of the time, totally fine. I felt like against South Carolina, didn't run it enough early, put too much on the shoulders of a guy who had not played in three months. But overall, I'm okay with Tommy calling the plays. There's no need for all this outside chatter about changing coordinators. We're okay. Now, the one thing I've said, quarterback recruiting has not been good enough under Tommy Reese. He calls it an inexact science, okay? But for Notre Dame to win a championship, you've got to have that quarterback that can make a massive difference. Up until a couple of months ago, it wasn't good enough. But maybe the tide has turned. You got Kenny Menchie coming in in this class. There's a lot of optimism about his ability. The 24 class already got that five-star you're looking for in C.J. Carr. And this counts. Sam Hartman counts. This is like adding a free agent. It's like the New York Mets opening up their pocketbooks and bringing in another player. They brought in Sam Hartman. There's some really good quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Devin Leary from NC State and Sam Hartman from Wake Forest probably are the top two. Take your pick. Who's number one? Who's number two? Leary went from NC State to Kentucky. If I had to choose from the litter, the Irish got the best one. That's my opinion. Tommy Reese got the best guy available. On3.com, which is tied in with my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I don't believe in their rankings necessarily. From the transfer portal quarterbacks, they have Devin Leary, number one. They've got Virginia's Brennan Armstrong, number two, ahead of Sam Hartman. No way, no how am I taking Armstrong over Hartman. I mean, that's not even close with the way I look at it. Maybe I'm showing my inexact science of analyzing quarterbacks, but I will take Hartman and Leary any day of the week before Armstrong, who was great two years ago. He was awful this year in their new system. I like Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State. He went to Ole Miss. That's a solid pickup for the Rebels. G.J. Ewan from Clemson to Oregon State. You know what? That's okay. But Sam Hartman... He's the Aaron Judge of the college football free agents. This was the guy. And Notre Dame hit a massive home run. I'm excited. I know there's probably a little extra oomph when it's a quarterback. Because as we know, everything centers around that ability of the quarterback to run an offense. You can have a great offensive line, great this, great that, but you better have a quarterback that can run the system and make plays. And this kid over five years has showed he can get the job done. Five-year player at Wake Forest didn't start every game. He's been the guy the last two years as a freshman all the way back 
September 22, 2018. His fourth start as a freshman was against Notre Dame. It was Ian Book's first start in that game. Sam Hartman went 12 of 24 for 110 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, 16 rushes, 11 yards. I think he'll be a little better than that here in South Bend. And you've got Sam Hartman coming in in a year in which you go to Clemson, you've got Ohio State and USC coming to town. Those are three massive games. Oh, yeah. Sam gets to face his old team, Wake Forest, at Notre Dame Stadium October 28th. Isn't it funny how those things work out? One thing that I think needs to happen, and it has to happen during the offseason, so Notre Dame is ready for game one against Navy in about 230 days. The wide receiving core has to become elite. I'll tell you right now, Sam Hartman had better wide receivers at Wake Forest than Notre Dame had this year. I'm not talking tight ends. Whole different ball game. Mr. Mayor's my guy. Wake Forest doesn't have anybody in that stratosphere. I'm talking wide receivers. Hartman had better players at Wake Forest than Notre Dame had. But now you've got Caleb Smith coming in from Virginia Tech. You've got another year under the belt for Tobias Merriweather, or his first year, I should say, getting ready for his second. Lorenzo Styles stalled in his development. Can he be reignited? You've got a very exciting young wide receiving core. A couple of those guys could factor in. There's still some possibilities of returnees, of older players. That area's got to get better. I think we know the offensive line will eventually come together. Tight end position is going to be weaker. You don't replace Michael Mayer. But the running backs, whew. Sam will have the ability to have a running game that should be elite to help him along the way. So Sam Hartman is Irish, and the complexion of next season has changed dramatically. And Notre Dame has a heck of a backup in Tyler Buckner. Now, should I be giving Sam the starting job? I mean, folks, do we really have to play the game of the quarterback job is up for grabs? I guess theoretically, yes, but Sam Hartman isn't coming here to sell number 10 jerseys with a headset on. He's coming here to get to the college football playoff. And you know what? Help his NFL draft stock, which had he gone out this year, might have been late in the draft. That's it. I'm betting he's making a whole lot more in NIL than he would have in the draft. So a win-win for Sam Hartman goes to a great football program with great expectations, and Sam can improve his draft stock for his professional career. More Sam Hartman conversation coming up. Tim Murray, diehard Notre Dame football fan, the co-host of Prime Primetime Show, which airs in about 35 minutes, so He's going to be talking to me from on set in just a moment after we take a break. Sam Hartman is Fighting Irish. And you'll hear Sam Hartman this fall on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
for a touchdown. Hartman will keep it, and he'll score. Hartman, though, lofts it up, looking for six. Got it. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. Hartman pulls it back, looking end zone, touchdown, Deacons. Hartman throws, caught, touchdown. Hartman on a nice read will hot skip his way to sixth. Hartman to the air, banks the catch, touchdown Blake Morris. What a throw! 23 years old, he's seen about everything, and that just helps calm the rest of his team down. Hartman gonna carry it to the end zone, touchdown. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. We're halfway through the 5 o'clock hour here in your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. If you're just turning on your radio, if you've had social media shut off today, we've got a pleasant surprise for you. Even though it was expected, Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman in town today, making it official. He is joining the Fighting Irish for the 2023 season of the all-time touchdown passing leader in ACC history. Will play his final season of college football for the Fighting Irish. Joining me right now from Las Vegas, I think it is fair to say from the sports wagering world, he is the biggest Notre Dame football fan, Tim Murray, the co-host of VEASAN's Primetime Show, which is going to be getting started in about 29 minutes. So we greatly appreciate him joining us here for a couple of moments on WSBT Radio. Tim, I would have to imagine that you, as a Notre Dame football fan, have to be pretty excited about the news today. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great day. Um, you know, we had feelings. I know the that this would happen uh, December twenty third or so. Um, it was kind of reported by uh, I think Connor O'Neill. I want to give him credit down at Wake Forest, who covers uh, the Demon Deacons, had reported that this was likely, um, but. You know, for a, for a long time, it was kind of wondered, right, who is going to be that guy? Is it going to be Hudson Card, or is it going to be somebody else? And I don't think, by the way, uh, my co-host here thinks that they wanted Michael Pratt over the ACC touchdown <laughs> leader. He, he's, just, he's just a little excited about his two-lane green wave. Of course, of course my co-host is uh, Sean King, who has played on the second-best two-lane team in uh, school history. Oh, <laughs> I can hear him laughing. Um, but, yeah. Um, but uh, as he was being very rude, uh, it's, it's a great day. I mean, look, they got to play the games. But, you know, the way I was thinking about it, Darren, and we can, you know, I'm sure you brought this up, and you and I have exchanged DMs and, and differing opinions on how the offense is called. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, Tommy Reese, with what they had at wide receiver, and, yes, they had an all-world tight end. I'm not denying that. And a quarterback in Drew Pine that probably exceeded anybody's wildest expectations. Now you've got a 24-year-old quarterback who has set the ACC record for touchdowns that lit up Clemson this year through the air. And, and now you've got him coming into Notre Dame, and you've got a full year for Tommy Reese and this offense to, to utilize a uh, essentially what would have been a you know sixth or seventh round pick quarterback into this offense so you know Notre Dame fans should be elated uh, they shouldn't be done yet in the portal I know there's you know defensive things to go after but to get Sam Hartman in my eyes 
you know, I, I, I'll be honest, and, and I'm not saying this just because he landed at Notre Dame. I didn't understand why the likes of a DJ Uyunglele or Devin Leary were rated higher than him mm-hmm. in some website. I didn't understand that because the production is undeniable of what he did at Wake Forest. Just to clean up one thing, I think Sean was at the Tulane Bowl game when the College Game Day show was going on. Reese Davis inadvertently mentioned Sean King as the national championship quarterback at Tulane. Does he know that? I did not. Uh, Apparently, Reese Davis called you the national championship quarterback at Tulane. He quickly corrected it. Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't need the ego boost there. So I'll. Uh, I guess. <laughs> right back to Hartman. I'll say this, Tim. Yeah. I sat in the press box for the Notre Dame Alabama championship game in 2012. Notre Dame had a fantastic season. They arrived early, I think, to that status. But that game showed us how far they had to come in all areas of their program to get to the level of an Alabama. And Tim, they have come a long way in so many areas. Their offensive and defensive line play is completely different from the group we saw back then. And that's not being negative about them, but it has improved so much. It has brought them now to that edge of being a championship level team. But from my standpoint, the one thing they have not been able to fix, and this is part of our, I think, debate on DMs, Tommy calling plays, I don't have a problem with for the most part, but quarterback recruiting has not been good enough from a Notre Dame standpoint to win a championship. But I think it's starting to change with Minchie coming in in this class, who a lot of people love, C.J. Carr, a high expectation for this kid, and you got to count Sam Hartman. This is the Aaron Judge signing of free agency in college football. Tommy Reese got the best guy available, so... I think everything is on the upside in an area where I've had concerns the last few years. Well, I think that's fair uh, because, you know, they thought, you know, when, when Brandon Wimbush signed a high four-star out of New Jersey, okay, this is a guy that could be, you know, lead him to the next level. And ultimately, right, it was a, a three-star quarterback in Ian Book that exceeded, obviously, any expectations of, of what he was going to be, a guy that was a former Washington State commit. And then he ends up, you know, being the all-time leader in wins. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, him, his play, obviously, but also the way that the program had recruited. And it has been surprising, I think, to a lot of people, including myself, that Notre Dame hasn't been able to find that guy a quarterback for, for a long time. You know, Brady Quinn, you know, being what he was mm-hmm. in the, you know, the oh, you know, four or oh five oh six seasons was obviously, you know, still remembered very well but since then you know dane chris was a five-star didn't pan out um you know ian book so many others have have just have been good but you know you saw it when notre dame played clemson or notre dame played alabama in the the respective playoffs that just the quarterback play wasn't there and we'll see if sam hartman is that guy um but i think to your to your point you know once dante moore didn't commit and that seemed to be a foregone conclusion. I'm sure there was a lot of pessimism regarding Tommy Reese as a recruiter, but to get someone like Minchie to flip from Pitt and a guy that some people are really high on in this class, to get C.J. Carr, who obviously has all of the ties to Michigan, to come to Notre Dame, and early thoughts are that he could be a five-star you know, in the 2024 class. And then ultimately, and I think this goes into a bigger question too, is, the NIL collective at Notre Dame, I don't know the specifics, but clearly they were able to come together and put together a pretty darn good package to, to land Sam Hartman. I don't know if it was solely 
you know, NIL reasons that he came to Notre Dame. I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, playing in front of an offensive line with a run game like Notre Dame will have next year. But I'm sure he's getting paid a decent chunk of change, and that is debunking maybe some, you know, thoughts of the NIL because of the the frustration over a Peyton Bowen, a Keon mm-hmm. Keeley, you know, et cetera, not being a part of this program. So I think all in all, this signing is, is, is great in the sense that you're getting an incredibly productive quarterback to come into Notre Dame next year when you had massive questions. And secondarily, I look at it as this way. You know, as you alluded to, I think Tommy Reese has shown that he's a pretty darn good recruiter uh, to get, you know, three solid pieces to come into the quarterback room over the next, you know, year and a half. And then the NIL component is, is certainly there. Um, you know, I think it is maybe uh, a bit overblown that they don't do anything in the NIL market. That's just not true. Michael Mayer was making a lot of money. Um, you know, Kyle Hamilton was making a lot mm-hmm. of money. You know, you come to Notre Dame and you're productive, you're going to get paid like anywhere else in the country. Tim Murray, co-host of Prime Primetime Show, which will start in just a couple of moments here. Joining me talking about Sam Hartman picking the Fighting Irish today. So what was your takeaway from Marcus Freeman's first year as a head coach? Yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of people, ups and downs. And I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, the the loss. The losses really stung the Marshall and Stanford one. I think the Stanford one was more surprising than Marshall, even though that amounts to crazy. But you, know, you think you're coming off the Ohio State game, you lose to Marshall, who ends up being a pretty darn good group of five program, a game you shouldn't lose, obviously. But then the Stanford game was really surprising. You know, I saw them the week before here in Las Vegas play really well against BYU. But I think the biggest takeaway for me, Darren, about Notre Dame this year under Marcus Freeman is, you know, to end on a high beating South Carolina, to overcome the mistakes that they made in that South Carolina game to, you know, give up a touchdown on special teams, two pick sixes. You could see that this team bought in, you know, and there were a lot of questions about is the moment too big for Marcus Freeman? I'm not going to say here and say that he's going to win a national championship. That's, that's a lofty expectation, but I think Notre Dame as a program is in really good hands. They still need to get better. They need to close out on some of these big-time recruits that they were able to you know, land initially and then ultimately not close the door. But still, at the end of the day, they had a top-10 recruiting class, which is, which is really solid. And you know, I think if you're looking at Notre Dame versus, let's say, in Oklahoma or even – yeah, let's just compare those two because those are two pre- predominant – defensive coordinators that took over big brands in college football. I mean, Notre Dame had a far better year. Oklahoma has had a lot of buzz here in, in recruiting. Um, but, you know, Oklahoma had some really ugly losses. Well, I think the highs to beat Clemson in the fashion that they did to close out the year against the South Carolina team and, you know, have over 200 you know yards over South Carolina, despite some of those mistakes, I, I do think is, you know, some people might roll their eyes because it was the Gator Bowl. It's not a big-time bowl. Notre Dame hasn't won a major bowl since, you know, the 94 Cotton Bowl against A&M. I still think winning that bowl game kind of satisfies the masses. You're going to be a top-20 team. You finished off with a win over, you know, Clemson, who will finish, what, top-12, wherever they may be. They were the ACC champs. You continue to prove that over the years – that you are the class of the Atlantic Coast Conference. I know Notre Dame's not a part of it, Darren, but look, they haven't lost a, a conference game or an ACC game since <laughs> yeah. 2017. So the, the conference that they're aligned with 
they continue to dominate, and that dominance didn't go anywhere this year. They were able to to continue that, and I think it really showed that the beat the the win over Clemson, the fashion that they had, and then I think one game that you know is underrated, maybe in the eyes of folks nationally, is to go to North Carolina and just absolutely put it on the Tar Heels. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really impressive. And then the Syracuse win. Look, Syracuse fell apart, but at the time, you know, people really thought, you know, as I would say on my show, Notre Dame was a real, or Syracuse was a really big, trendy dog. People can understand that line. And Notre Dame flexed their muscles in that game. So I love the fact that as the year went on, they really went back to their DNA, which is we've got an awesome offensive line. We've got three studs in the backfield. We can do it. Now, USC is going to keep getting better. Obviously, Ohio State comes to town next year, so it's not going to be easy. Clemson's going to want revenge down there in Death Valley. But uh, nine and four, you know, look, the Vegas win total was eight and a half. So did they underachieve? Yeah, slightly. They won eight games. But I think to beat Clemson in the fashion that they did to keep mm-hmm. the ACC winning streak going, all in all, Solid. Not great, not good. Solid first year. He's a first-year head coach at one of the hardest places to coach in the world. And I think all in all, I think Marcus Freeman is, uh, has got the program headed in the right direction. And today is another wonderful day you know, for them to have clarity at the quarterback position heading into Navy in Dublin in, in late August. Two really quick ones. Number one, do you have a lean for Georgia TCU, what the Bulldogs favor by 12.5 right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go against the trendy dog. Uh, a lot of people are on TCU. I understand why. Uh, maybe I'm the, I'm the party pooper going against you know, Cinderella here. But uh, I'm going to lay it with Georgia as Ari Wasserman from The Athletic uh, coined the phrase. Stars matter. And uh, mm-hmm. you alluded to it. The, uh, the national championship that you were in the press box and I was sitting on the, in the stands. Uh, I knew the moment Alabama walked onto that field, we were in a whole world of hurt. And uh, that was the case. <laughs> Uh, I think that happens again. So uh, it's been an incredible run. uh, But do remember that TCU scored on a pair of pick sixes, had a fumble at the one-yard line go their way, another goal line stand. Uh, So I don't think Georgia's going to make mistakes like that. So, yeah, I'm going to be the guy who's going to lay the number. I'm going to roll with the dogs uh, on Monday night. Okay. And at the end of my program each night, I come up with four sports wagering suggestions. It's called We Going to Sizzler, based on the old movie White Men Can't Jump. So one of them is a hockey play, and I know your co-host is the king of hockey. So if he's sitting there, give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. I got Bruins Kings under six goals tonight. What does he say? Uh, Puck Stradamus. He has Bruins Kings under six. Do you yay or nay? He said his he said he's okay with that. His play of the night is the Oilers, so he's rocking with the Oilers. All right, I like that. Very good. Hey, when Puckner Thomas agrees with me, I I feel really really fortunate. How about that, Tim? Thanks for doing this on short notice. I know you got a show to do, folks. You can catch Tim and Sean at the top of the hour on Veasan's Prime Time Show. All the best to you. We'll talk to you soon more about this Notre Dame football team. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Darren. Thank you so much. Tim Murray, co-host, VEASAN's primetime show with Sean King. They're on the air at the top of the hour out in Vegas. That's a pretty good gig. Talking sports, sports wagering. You're in a sports casino. People 
walking all over the place. You got all the games on the screens. You got all the, the wagering going there. That's that's pretty doggone good. I like that. All right, 15 minutes in front of the top of the hour. Sam Hartman has picked the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. We'll continue that conversation throughout the program. We will have our Twitter question of the day coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This this is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Once again, our top story of the day Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman has committed to the University of Notre Dame. One year of eligibility, and he'll play it right here with the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. More on that subject in a moment. Right now to our Twitter question of the day from yesterday. You can always vote for our Twitter questions of the day on my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. Wednesday's question. The NCAA Division I Transformation Committee has recommended that the NCAA basketball tournaments expand from 68 to 90 teams. The thinking is... For sports that have more than 200 teams participating, 20% of the teams should make the NCAA tournament. So that's why for basketball, men's and women's, the teams would go from 68 to 90. It's just a proposal. So my question was, how many teams would you like to see take part in March Madness? You had three choices. Number one, status quo. 68. Second choice, take the committee's recommendation of 90 teams. And I also threw out kind of a wild third number because a lot of people want to see as many teams as possible get into the tournament. So I doubled 68 and came up with 136. Here are the results from yesterday's Twitter question of the day. Not a whole lot of support for going nuts with the expansion of March Madness. 136 teams only got 6.5% of the vote. Second place in the voting. The committee's recommendation of 90 teams. That only got 10.5% of the vote. And the runaway winner. With 83% of the vote. 68 teams, where we are right now, is perfect. And you know what? I agree 100%. I think it's extra special just seeing your name called on CBS on Selection Sunday. Seeing your team's name come up is special. And that goes away if we start expanding the field to ridiculous numbers. And another reason why I like 68, think back to the last few Selection Sundays. You're trying to find the last couple of teams to make the tournament, and you're choosing from mediocre basketball teams. Now, that's not to say a mediocre team could get into the tournament and get hot and make a push. We have seen, for example, VCU go from Dayton to the Final Four. So, yeah, maybe team number 85 overall in the seating gets hot and goes to the Sweet 16. 
but I think the club needs to be exclusive. Make it special just to make the NCAA tournament. Plus, remember, folks, there's a lot of men and women out there that rely on their soap operas, and we are interrupting afternoon soap operas if we continue to show more basketball games. We don't want to make them mad, do we? So let's just keep it at 68. I love 68. I like the first four. That's added a little extra oomph. It's a great way to kind of get that first week started. The first two days for me is always the best. Everybody plays. You hope for those big upsets. And now having those Tuesday, Wednesday games in Dayton, I think it's a great start to the tournament. And then we get rolling on Thursday. So I'm with the masses. I like 68, and that won our vote, and we thank you so much for voting. Which brings us to today's question, already available on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Which Notre Dame coordinator had the best season? Offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese. Defensive coordinator, Al Golden. Now, I've had a lot of people reply to my question, Hey, what about Brian Mason, the special teams coach? I hear you. But I want this to be about the two coordinators who are the most active in a game situation. If I put Mason in there, he probably wins easily because of all the block punts. I am not minimizing his job or his success. I want this to be about the two main coordinators, and I'm really curious to see who you think did a better job this year. Do you go with offensive coordinator Tommy Reese? Do you go with defensive coordinator Al Golden? So, yes, I hear you. For all of you typing, hey, Brian Mason, Brian Mason. It's like that commercial, stop guessing the helmet catch. In this case, stop guessing Brian Mason. (laughs) I hear you. I recognize you. But the Twitter question of the day today is a dictatorship. I want either Reese or Golden. You can cast your vote right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeed. Stop guessing the helmet catch. Archie Cooper's my favorite. All right, 555 at Sports Radio 960. WSBT, we have a sports update coming up in a moment. More on Sam Hartman picking the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And you'll hear Sam and the Irish this fall on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're going to win. Don't want to be a loser. Going to win. The man in the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Lorenzo Styles on the post route. Gives to Esme. Leaps into the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Ball caught. Touchdown. What a catch by Jaden Thomas. Hands off the dig. There he goes. 20, 15, 10. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Notre Dame football coverage continues now from Sports Radio 960 AM WSPT. Here come the Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It is eight minutes after six o'clock on this Thursday, January the 5th of 2023, and it appears Notre Dame has a brand new starting quarterback. Earlier this afternoon, 
Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman in town visiting Notre Dame said yes to Marcus Freeman, Tommy Reese, and the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So you've got a quarterback room of Sam Hartman, Tyler Buckner, Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie coming in in the class of 2023. Welcome to the second hour of the program. Mike Bray show coming up at 7 o'clock here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 110 career touchdown passes for Sam Hartman. No ACC quarterback has thrown for that many touchdowns in their career. He is a guy that can run the football. 18 rushing touchdowns in his Wake Forest career. Veteran quarterback. He has seen everything and now jumps up to the really big stage playing for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Also, it is worth noting that grad, I shouldn't say grad transfers, players in the transfer portal are visiting schools around the country. That started yesterday, and there's a report that Oklahoma State safety Thomas Harper is also visiting the Fighting Irish. I don't know if I would call Harper an impact player. And let me explain why. Sam Hartman has the credentials where you can see what he has accomplished, and I would call him an impact difference-making player. Harper has not been on the field as much as a safety, 42 games at Oklahoma State, but only started seven games, all seven games this year during his senior season, but was held to only seven games due to undisclosed Injuries. Harper, 30 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, a pick and three pass breakups. He was a really good special teams player for Oklahoma State, so he has amassed 93 career tackles with a couple of interceptions. By the way, he didn't play against the Irish in the 2022 Fiesta Bowl. Inside IndySports.com's Tyler James had a really good fact that in the Cowboys' three-safety scheme, Harper had some slot corner responsibilities, some nickel responsibilities, and had 32 passes thrown at him this year. 19 times the ball was completed. The Irish looking for safety help. Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson returned, and they are the only two significant playing time safeties on this Fighting Irish roster for 2023. We'll see if D.J. Brown returns for a sixth year. He did take part in the senior day activities before Boston College. Maybe that's a lean. You've also got three players coming in from the 23 class, Ben Minich, Aiden Schuler, and Brandon Hillman. But the Irish are in need of safety help, and maybe, maybe Thomas Harper is going to add a little depth to that position. Again, he is from... Oklahoma State. 6-12 is our time. A quick break. When I return, Taylor Dahl's going to join me, a Hobart, Indiana native, working down in Jacksonville at the Jaguars flagship station, 1010XL. She's going to offer some thoughts on the Jaguars' big game against the Titans, which you can hear on WSBT Radio. She's also involved in a Bears podcast for Windy City Gridiron, so we'll talk some Bears, and we'll see if she's a Notre Dame football fan being from Hobart, Indiana. That conversation coming up, it's Sam Hartman Day. Sam Hartman picks the Fighting Irish right here on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, Lynette, thank you very much. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 60 minutes after 6 o'clock on this Thursday evening. The Mike Bray Show coming up at the top of the hour. 
Big story today here in South Bend and across college football. Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman in town commits to the Fighting Irish to play his final season of college football with the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Their last game, of course, was in Jacksonville, taking down South Carolina in a wild Gator Bowl, 45-38. to Our next guest is from Jacksonville, but a Hobart, Indiana native, now works for the flagship station of the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1010XL+. Plus, you can hear her on the podcast, Making Monsters, the Windy City Gridiron Chicago Bears podcast, which I was a part of a couple of weeks ago. That was a lot of fun talking about former Notre Dame tight end Cole Komet, now, of course, with the Chicago Bears. Taylor Dahl joins us from Jacksonville, Florida. Did that forecast you just heard make you miss Northern Indiana at all? Uh, not quite, not quite. It's about 75 degrees here in Jacksonville, but we did have a cold Christmas. It was about 20 degrees on Christmas, so we had that. Oh, boy. We feel for you, that's for sure. And I tell you what, <laughs> a lot of Irish fans were down in Jacksonville enjoying the sunshine. I understand you're at the Gator Bowl watching the Irish take down South Carolina. I was. I mean, what a game, Darren. I was, uh, first of all, I, they just announced the official numbers here in Jacksonville. The tax player Gator Bowl sent them out, and it was about 67,000 people, the highest ever for the Gator Bowl. So that just shows you what type of fans, you know, Notre Dame can Notre Dame can bring to a city, um, even through weather and through a, a lot of travel. But it was a blast. I mean, I, I, it was. I think a lot of people may have been a little worried because Buckner hadn't uh, played in quite a while, but he made it a game for sure. What do you think about Sam Hartman now being added to that Notre Dame quarterback room? <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited. I, one of the, When it first started rumoring a few weeks ago, I was pumped. And let me tell you down here, we're also, I'm the, I work at the flagship, Jaguar, flagship station of the Jaguars, but we're also the home of the Florida Gators. And Gators fans wanted Sam Hartman so bad. So they've been giving me a hard time about it. But I'm very excited. I think this is, I, I think it's really big for Notre Dame. I think it's really big for Marcus Freeman, who I'm a big fan of. So I'm super pumped to see that. Yeah, they wanted Hartman and they got merch. That's a big drop-off. they got to be pretty <laughs> no, disappointed no. at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not, not very happy. Well, Taylor, you're involved with the Jacksonville Jaguars down there. And what a turnaround after Jacksonville lost in London to the Denver Broncos. Their season has turned around. Now the Titans coming back to the pack has helped them, but Jacksonville's playing great football right now. They're 8-8, eight and eight, and that showdown in Jacksonville is Saturday night at 8-15, a game that we're actually going to have here on WSBT Radio. The winner wins the AFC South, goes to the playoffs, the Titans taking on the Jaguars. It almost feels like the Jaguars should win this game right now, Taylor, with the way the Titans have played recently. I know Derrick Henry got activated today, but with the way Jacksonville has come on strong, would it almost be a major disappointment for the Jaguars franchise and fan base if they don't win this game? Oh, it would be massive. I think that if you would have said that five weeks ago, it would have been a different story. But at this point, I think the majority of Jaguars media, the majority of Jaguars fans are pretty much notching this as a win. Uh, without getting too overly confident about it because things have just, like you said, things for the Jaguars have been on the up. Trevor Lawrence has really started to figure things out and getting more comfortable, and we all point to that Week 8 game in, uh, against Denver because we, we kind of all say that's the turning point because since then, Trevor has 14 touchdowns, two, intercept 
two interceptions, has completed over 70% of his passes in that time. Uh, the Jags have the seventh highest point differential. There's a lot of positives leaning towards the Jaguars' way, and certain guys are really just starting to heat up, Travis Etienne being one of them, Christian Kirk being another one. And the, it seems like the Titans are just on the, the opposite trajectory right now. And Tannehill getting injured, I think, was that little – a little push mm-hmm. for Jags fans saying we, sh- we should win this football game. Taylor, I think we all expected Trevor Lawrence to figure it out over time. It's tough being a rookie quarterback going right into the starting spot, and you had Urban Meyer as your head coach at first, too, which probably did not help his development. But how much credit goes to Doug Peterson, a guy who won a championship in Philadelphia in his first year in Jacksonville? That offense looks a little different. Oh, tremendously. I, I credit Doug Peterson probably the most of any, any coach, any player on this, on this roster, on this team right now, because Doug Peterson, the things that he's done in the locker room, on the football field, you, you just can't, you can't measure them because he, the team loves him. The fans love him, but what he's done with Trevor Lawrence, the confidence he's built in Trevor Lawrence, the way he's been able to scheme around Trevor uh, the one name you can throw in, Evan Ingram, pretty much Giants fans kicked him yeah. out of New York because he <laughs> couldn't catch a ball and they were over Evan Ingram. And Evan Ingram has 739 yards on the season right now. I want to say top 10 highest catches for receiving uh, receptions for tight end in the league. Um, that's the highest for his career. And just things like that, obviously you want to credit Evan Ingram too, but I really do think it was Doug Peterson being able to scheme certain things and getting getting Evan Ingram out there and really getting him the ball and also building his confidence. Uh, but in addition to that, just when you look at the team as a whole, they're, they're, ju- they're just different. They're, they're, there's a different vibe. There's a different – you, you always say about the culture. People talk about the culture, and I think they underestimate how, how important the culture actually is. And last year was just such a disaster that they needed a guy like Doug Peterson. They needed this turnaround. And that's for the offense, but on the defensive side of the ball, he's, it's the same thing. Doug Peterson is so good at, t- at getting that defense to take away the strengths of the opposite team. That this, this defense isn't absolutely tremendous, but they've looked really good uh, keeping teams down to three points the last two weeks because Doug Peterson's able to make that happen by scheming. Taylor, is there a possibility, whether you win this game or not, is there a chance that this season could springboard Jacksonville to be the favorite in the AFC South for a couple of years because it feels like Tennessee is in a bit of a reshuffle. The Colts may have to just start all over at this particular point, and Houston is Houston. So it feels like there's a really good opportunity for Jacksonville to have some sustained success in this division the next couple of years. Yeah, and I, I, that's the mindset down here completely because I think the one thing that everyone's keeping an eye on right now is the fact that Jacksonville has Trevor Lawrence and nobody else has Trevor Lawrence or even, honestly, a quarterback that we think is the guy or that is going to be the franchise guy for a long time to come. And I, so when you look at that, just in that aspect, you see that it's go- that already makes you want to pick the AFC South, but there's so many other pieces, and if you look – at what Doug Peterson's done in one off season, I think a lot of Jaguars fans are saying, "Okay, well, if that if that's what he can do in eight months, what is he going to be able to do in another off season when Trevor's heading into his third year and even more comfortable?" And they've really got a flow of things. And like you said, I think the rest of the divisions are kind of uh, the Colts look like a mess right now. It's, even this Jeff Saturday hiring, it just kind of it 
spun things out of control. Uh, Derrick Henry is probably the most dangerous part of the Tennessee Titans right now. And the Texans are just a little bit of a mess. I, I'm not quite sure they'll give up on Lovey Smith yet, but it, it hasn't looked so it hasn't looked too good. And they're looking for that quarterback also. So I think that AFC South right now looks like it's in Jaguars hands for at least the next few years minimum. Mm. Taylor Dahl, Hobart, Indiana native, now works for the flagship station of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Joining me on WSBT. Before I leave the Jaguars and go to the Bears, I'm curious, after the horrific situation in Cincinnati Monday night with DeMar Hamlin, have the Jaguars players talked at all about dealing with what they witnessed on Monday and going back to practice and back to a game situation on Saturday? Yeah, a few uh, a few of the players have addressed the media and a few of the coaches also. And it's just one of the situations, it's, it's so touchy. And you feel, I think everyone was kind of on edge about moving on to the football part of things um, until we kind of heard that he, Hamlin, was on the up and he's doing better. Um, you know, he's still in critical condition, but we he's, he was communicating and he was kind of even almost making a joke about yeah. how they won the game. So I think from that, there was a breath, there was a sigh of relief for a lot of football players and that's around the league, but the Jacks fans, I mean, the Jacks players, I think were pretty much on the same page. They were all, they're kind of looking at the game, but it's hard to, it's hard to say that to a room full of media sure. when this is such a tragedy. And a lot of these guys, you know, they knew him personally or they had played against him or played with him. So it's a tough situation to address, but it kind of seems like the Jaguars were always just focused on Saturday. It's a, it's a very, it's a really big game for them. Um, and especially, I don't know if anybody else heard this outside of Jacksonville, but the last game that the Jags, when they beat the Titans a little bit, a few weeks ago, Doug Peterson made a video and showed the team and the video was a Titans hate week video. And he showed all these clips of why Jacksonville hates the Tennessee Titans so much. And the, the team went out and beat the Titans for the first time in a long time. And it, it kind of sprung a, a little bit of momentum into the Jaguars into the Jaguars locker room until onto the football field with them. So I'm not quite sure what Doug Peterson did this week, but I'm sure hmm. he had something planned because as we mentioned before, he's an amazing coach. So I'm sure he had something this, this week. Uh, we haven't heard yet of the details, but that will kind of get them through the Hamlin situation and without, you know, being, being not rude, but getting ready for the game that they sure. have on Saturday. Taylor, let's talk about the Bears for a second. You're involved with Windy City Gridiron, that website, and the Chicago Bears podcast, Making Monsters. The Bears are in a situation that they can hurt their draft status if they beat Minnesota at Soldier Field. If the Bears lose and the Texans beat the Colts, the Bears would have the number one pick in the draft, and they would have a great opportunity to maybe take Will Anderson or what I kind of like, trade down, grab a handful of first-round picks, and really build for the future. Are you glad quarterback Justin Fields is not playing in this game? They list him with a hip strain, but I don't know if it would have made much sense playing him in this game behind that offensive line and with the number one pick at stake. Yeah, Darren, I was a little torn because the only reason is – that record mm-hmm. that he could potentially have broke, uh, the Lamar record, I want to say 64 yards away, I believe. 
I was kind of hoping they would say, hey, play the first quarter, get this 64 yards, break the record, and we're pulling you. But I completely get it once all the announcements came out. Tevin Jenkins getting put on IR, Schofield getting put on IR, behind an already beat up and bad offensive line. Um, It just was probably not the best situation for Justin Fields, especially being banged up. We've seen him wincing for months now pretty much at different, whether it be his shoulder or his legs, and a lot of that cramping situations. But – hips and everything that he's been getting beat up so I completely understand why they did it I don't think uh nothing comes out of this game honestly with a win so it was definitely the best move for the Bears to make that decision when you think about next year we've heard about all of the salary cap room that the Bears have to work with do you expect a majority of that cap room space go go toward the offensive side of the football it really seems like that the Bears could use an upgrade at a lot of offensive positions, maybe tied in they're okay with Cole Komet, but otherwise, Taylor, it just feels like they need to give Justin Fields more weapons to really show what he can do. Yeah, I agree. I think a large portion of the money will be addressed on the offensive side, but I also think the defensive line is probably the worst in the league, if not one of the bottom three in the league. So I I honestly think they'll commit a lot of that money to fixing the trenches in general, the offensive and defensive line, because they both just need so much, so much work. Um, and I, I do believe they will try and grab some sort of wide receiver. I think they're, they're obviously confident in Justin, and I think they're confident in Khalil Herbert. David Montgomery in a contract year now, not quite sure what is going to come out of that. So that's the giant question mark of what, if they do anything else in the running back room. But with, uh, I think they're, confident it looks like in Braxton Jones Tevin Jenkins had a really good year but he was kind of beat up so that's a little scary but there's a lot of work to do there but Darren it really worried me that this season they just were unable to get any pressure on the quarterback they were unable to there was games where they didn't even get near the quarterback and that kind of showed in certain in certain moments when Justin was leading the team into scoring you know 30 plus points and then the defense allows 40 plus uh you can't have that happening it was putting a lot of pressure on the secondary the young secondary so i do think that they will spend a good amount of money on the offense but i wouldn't be surprised if they honestly spent a little bit more to fix that line in the linebacker room the defensive line what are your impressions of the old irish offensive skill position players equinemius st brown chase claypool and cole Komet? i know Komet and st brown are going to fit in next year and you spent a second round pick on claypool so i assume they're not going to give up on him yeah i um i love cole Komet. i was very excited being a notre dame fan and a bears fan that the bears got cole Komet, and i think that he We've seen him shine last year. The one issue we saw with Cole Komet is he was, there was just no touchdowns. We never saw him in the red zone. We never saw him in the end zone. That changed this year. We saw some touchdowns from Cole Komet. We saw a lot of big plays. Uh, we saw a little more trust out of him and Justin, and I, I, don't, I see that getting even bigger, even stronger. Uh, as for Equinemius St. Brown, I, I totally get it. They just gave him a, a, a year extension, and Equinemius is probably one of the best blocking wide receivers in the league and you've seen that and very critical I know an average fan is like we don't want to we want a wide receiver to catch the ball not block for somebody but it's a major part in what some of these guys do and it helped Justin in a lot of plays especially uh some of those QB sneaks and things like that so and I do also think he's a big guy I don't think realize a lot of people realize how big Equinemius St. Brown actually is and so I do think if you add another big wide receiver I'm hoping for a a T. Higgins, a DeAndre Hopkins, those are some of the names floating out. If you can get a veteran big guy um, and take some pressure off of 
you know, Darnell Mooney, because that's another name that's out there too, then you do open opportunities for Equinemius and you do open opportunities for some of these other guys that maybe you didn't see also at, at Chase Claypool. I think some of the fans, Bears fans, were a little frustrated with Chase Claypool this year because you didn't see a whole lot, and the Bears gave up their second-round pick for it, which is a very high second-round pick, so almost a first-round pick. Um, so a little people, uh, some people were upset. The good thing that I want to tell people to calm down about that one is that <laughs> Chase Claypool, we have a whole other year with Chase Claypool, and that was the good thing out of it. That was the positive that he wasn't, his contract wasn't ending this season. We have a whole offseason, a whole other year to see what Chase Claypool can do hmm. and grow that connection with Justin Fields because I just feel it, it was kind of bad timing. He came to the Bears, and it was, he had, a, I think, four days to practice and was thrown into a game. The, the Bears' playbook is very difficult, uh, and it was kind of known to be difficult. So for him to learn that that quick was almost impossible. Then Justin gets hurt and missed some time, and so he wasn't practicing with Justin. And then he gets hurt and missed some time, so he wasn't practicing with Justin. And it was just one of those seasons where, for me, it just wasn't it wasn't going to happen this season. But I do think that adding another piece this offseason, and I ultimately see some big name being added, hopefully some veteran guy that can really help. And I, I see Darnell Mooney, Equinemius, Chase Claypool – uh, being the guys for Justin. Hmm. Well, once the Jaguars beat the Titans, I guess you have to look forward to a home playoff game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They might line up against the Baltimore Ravens, and I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be shocked if the Jaguars don't win that game. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they beat the Ravens, and that was um, part of their little hot streak they've had recently, and I think they obviously are playing even better football right now than they were at that point. There were still some things that the defense wasn't playing great at that point. There was um, some injuries and uh, sorry, Foye Aluakon, who leads the NFL in tackles, has been one of the main like run stuffers on the Bears, and he was kind of banged up at that point. So that hurt them a little bit, and they still were able to win. So at this point, I really think, I mean, Jacksonville is – it's just absolutely ecstatic right now. I wish I could just take a video of the city just driving <laughs> with people's flags back on their cars and billboards out. It's like they're already in the playoffs. Uh, but I, I think that game would be definitely winnable, but it's never easy to face Lamar Jackson. So you still have to, you still got to think about that. Well, Taylor, thanks for doing this. Greatly appreciate your time. Thanks for the invite to be on your podcast, and I'm glad I could get you on my program to talk about the Jags and the Bears, and it's good to see someone from Northwest Indiana having a lot of success down in the sunshine of Jacksonville. So continued success, and we'll talk to you down the road. I appreciate it, Darren. Thank you. Thank you so much. Taylor Dahl from the flagship station of the Jacksonville Jaguars 1010XL, and you can catch her on the Windy City Gridiron Chicago Bears podcast, Making Monsters. It is 635. Again, Sam Hartman has picked the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. That conversation and more continues next on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 641 at sports radio 960 WSBT. Mike Bray show coming up at 7 o'clock. Sports wagering help. Fingers crossed. Coming up 
in our next segment. Well, what a fun day to be a college football fan, specifically a Notre Dame football fan, when arguably the best player in the transfer portal has picked your school. After five years at Wake Forest, quarterback Sam Hartman committed to Notre Dame earlier today. First off, great having Sam in town. Hope he's enjoying the snowflakes. Glad that did not deter him. But he will more than likely take over as the starting quarterback for the Fighting Irish in 2023. I saw my pal Mike Singer from Blue and Gold talking to Notre Dame fans saying, well, there's still going to be a competition. Okay, to the fans, yes, in press conferences, because you don't want to hand the job just to anyone. You do have to earn it, so I get that, but it would be Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson if Sam Hartman is not starting for the Fighting Irish. Now, if there's an injury, different ball game, but also let's say it like this. If Tyler Buckner rises up and outplays Sam Hartman to the extent that he has to start, then that is absolutely off the chart. Fantastic news. But I have a feeling Sam didn't choose Notre Dame to be the backup quarterback here in South Bend. So, yeah, there's going to be a competition, but you as an Irish fan, you just got Sam Hartman, and it's no disrespect to Tyler Buckner, but you just got Sam Hartman who has proven, don't you pencil in Sam Hartman as your guy? Are you even thinking about a competition? It's going to be laid out in that fashion, as it should, but I just can't imagine... There's a lot of Irish fans saying, well, let's just have a competition. I mean, Sam Hartman, unless you don't know who Sam Hartman is, then you might say, well, Tyler Buckner looked pretty good with all that rust still on him in the Gator Bowl. But do a little research, do a little videotape work, and you'll see how Hartman can be a difference maker if all things go well here in South Bend, Indiana. Big Ten basketball tonight, 7 o'clock. Purdue at Ohio State. The Boilermakers, can they knock down jump shots? That's always the key for them. Zach Eady should have a big game. Ohio State probably will not have a lot of resistance against him. But Bryce Sensiball, really good freshman for Ohio State, averaging 15 a game. Watch out for him. And Indiana at Iowa at 9 o'clock. Hawkeyes are desperate for a win. Indiana needs to win one of these road games. We'll see that game play out tonight at 9 o'clock. Sports wagering next, 644 at WSBT. If a good day just took a turn for the worse and you need a tow, call Kyle's Towing and Recovery. Experience an untimely accident or find yourself stranded with a vehicle that won't cooperate? Call Kyle's, 574-514-8682. Even if you have a flat tire or simply run out of gas, call Kyle's. Kyle's Towing and Recovery offers 24-hour towing and roadside assistance and will tow your vehicle anywhere. No matter where you're stuck, day or night, call Kyle's Towing to the rescue, 574-514-8682. Attention, if you owe money to the IRS, this is an urgent message. The IRS is cracking down by sending out heart-stopping letters, aggressively garnishing paychecks, seizing bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. They call it enforced compliance, and you better watch out because penalties and interest on unpaid taxes compound daily, making it seem impossible to ever get out of debt. Don't let the tax debt destroy your life. You need to call Optima Tax Relief, the number one tax resolution firm. Their experts 
experts in the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks that the IRS has ever offered. If you qualify, you could save thousands. Optima's resolved over $1 billion of tax debt for their clients. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, they'll fight to get you the best deal possible. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-936-9033. 800-936-9033. 800-936-9033. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. If you have ever thought about remodeling your bathroom but were worried it would take too long or cost too much, then stop worrying. Right now, Jacuzzi Bath Remodel has designed a collection of high-quality custom products and perfected the one-day remodeling experience so you can enjoy your new bathroom faster than ever before. It's a worry-free bath remodel from the most trusted brand name in the business, Jacuzzi. For a virtual or in-home appointment, call 800-826-9895. That's 800-826-9895. 800-826-9895. Research shows listeners prefer a personalized experience. So to help you remember, Liberty Mutual customizes your home insurance. We personalize this ad for Amber, who really misses boy bands from the 90s. Hey, girl. <laughs> I'm the cute one. Here to tell you how Liberty Mutual customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. I'm the heartthrob. The only thing I love more than you is saving. And I'm the other boy in the band everyone forgot about. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Susan, it's so great to finally be able to get together again. Oh, it sure is. And I really appreciate you picking up the bill. I'm happy to. I've got the extra cash. Since we've all been driving so much more again, I've been using Upside, the free app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the Upside app? Yes, I get real cash back just for buying the gas I was going to buy anyway. But is it a hassle to use? No, it's super super fast and easy and i can cash out whenever i want that's a total no-brainer i'm downloading the free upside app now download the free upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas use promo code gallon for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank that's promo code gallon you can cash out anytime right to your bank account to paypal or an e-gift card for amazon and other brands just download the free upside app and use promo code gallon for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank that's code gallon I studied Spanish in college and never got fluent, but then I tried Babbel. Want the most effective way to learn another language? In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel's bite-sized lessons will have you learning another language in as little as three weeks. Babbel gets you speaking quickly about things you actually talk about in the real world. University studies have shown that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a semester of college Spanish. If you want to learn a new language, there's no better way than Babbel. Go to Babbel.com to try Babbel for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. It is that time of the program once again where we talk sports wagering on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Darren Pritchett with you. A reminder, the Mike Bray radio show coming up in just a couple of moments at the top of the hour here on WSBT Radio. Well, yesterday's program was our first opportunity to make some sports wagering suggestions for 2023 after a second consecutive winning year. Let's try to make it three in a row, but we need to get off to a good start. Let's recap the suggestions from last night's program. 
We begin with a couple of college basketball games from the Big East. I mentioned Providence, terrific home team in conference play, taking on one of the top teams in the country, UConn. But the game was at the dunk. I took Providence plus six over Connecticut. That turned out to be a really good choice. We didn't even need the points. You can keep them. Providence, 73, and UConn, 61. The game was at minus 110, so on a $10 bet, we were able to win 1909, or basically 909. You get your $10 back. The second college basketball game from the Big Ten Conference, I called it an absolute must win for Illinois playing Northwestern in Evanston. Illinois 0 2, a lot of problems within the locker room at this particular time. Illinois only laying two against Northwestern, a Wildcat team that got hammered at home by Ohio State. I went with Illinois minus the two, not the good decision. They laid another egg. It's time to fade the Illini despite their talent level. Northwestern won 73-60. Our third suggestion from last night from the National Basketball Association, the Indiana Pacers, who have been a profitable team to wager on this year. One of the big surprises in the NBA. I took the Pacers plus eight on the road against Philadelphia. It didn't hurt an hour or so before tip-off that 76ers star Joel Embiid would not play in the ballgame. That made that plus eight look even better. Pacers kind of collapsed in the closing moments. The Sixers forced overtime, but we had eight points to work with. It worked out okay. The Sixers won in overtime, 129-106. They won by three. We had the Pacers plus eight, so that was a winning suggestion. And finally, from the National Hockey League, my fourth suggestion, the Minnesota Wild on home ice taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. I took Minnesota on the money line at minus 115. The Lightning playing back-to-back nights on the road. Wild, a really good home team. And that was a good choice. Minnesota cruised by Tampa Bay 5-1. to one. So we start the year with a record of 3-1. and one. And if you bet $10 on each of those four suggestions, we cleared $16.87. We had an underdog pick last night. And that means the wager has to be a plus number in order to take it. I went with the Chicago Bulls at the United Center on the money line that they were going to knock off the Brooklyn Nets, who had won 12 consecutive games. Nice job, Chicago. This was a good one. It was the Bulls plus 170. So if you put $10 on the Bulls, you pocketed 37 or 27 after you get your $10 back. So our underdog pick, boom, hit in night number one of wagering in 2023. I wish it was this easy every night. I could retire from broadcasting and just focus on this. But as we know, this is not an easy process. There's a lot of luck involved. It worked out last night. No guarantees going into tonight's action. Speaking of tonight's action, let's get to it. Four suggestions for tonight. Three of the four are from college basketball. Suggestion number one from Columbus, Ohio. It's top-ranked Purdue visiting Ohio State. The Boilermakers coming up a home loss to Rutgers. 
the Buckeyes are favored by one and a half on their home floor against the Boilermakers. I'm leaning toward Ohio State in this particular matchup. Bryce Sensenbaugh is an extremely talented freshman that could be a handful for Purdue tonight. The one concern is Ohio State's ability to slow down Zach Eady. No one has this year. He's a double-double machine. I'm not sure they've got the personnel to keep him in check. But I'm going to go Ohio State minus one and a half against Purdue at minus 110. So you bet 10, you win 1909 if Ohio State covers. The next one I've gone back and forth on, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm going to go ahead and take Indiana minus a point and a half in Iowa City against the Iowa Hawkeyes at minus 110. Iowa is really struggling right now. Normally a pretty good home team. Indiana has not been great on the road the last couple of years in the Big Ten. They still don't have Xavier Johnson back. Trace Jackson Davis has missed the last two games. He's supposed to play tonight. Iowa dealing with the loss of their teammate, Connor McCaffrey, has stepped aside, dealing with some mental issues. So I have a feeling Iowa is going to be extra motivated tonight. And that's why for half of the day, I've went with Iowa. But now I'm at the finish line. I'm going to go Indiana minus one and a half at Iowa, and I'm not overly confident. The third suggestion for tonight, also from the Big Ten, I'm a big believer in Rutgers even before they won at Purdue. I loved Rutgers plus eight and a half at Purdue last week. And I think they're going to take care of business at home against a Maryland team that has really hit the skids the last couple of weeks, including getting blown out against Michigan. I love Rutgers' ability to play great team defense. They rebound it well. They're a very, I think, unselfish team on the offensive side of things, and they're tough to beat at home. Rutgers minus five against Maryland at minus 110. My fourth, fourth and final suggestion for tonight from the National Hockey League, the Boston Bruins and the LA Kings are playing out in La La Land tonight. The Bruins playing for the first time since their dramatic, emotional winter classic win over the Pittsburgh Penguins, but that was a costly win. Jake DeBrusque, a member of their top line, with 16 goals and 14 assists, including scoring both goals in the Winter Classic win at Fenway over Pittsburgh. He has a hand injury and a leg injury, and he is on long-term injury reserve. So the Bruins are going to have to mix up their lines. They are deep. That's a positive. But DeBrusque, talented physical player out of the lineup. I think this is going to be more of a low-scoring game. It's a sort of a road trip for the Bruins. I think Bruins and Kings will go under six goals tonight at minus 110. So the four suggestions for tonight, Ohio State minus one and a half at home against Purdue. Indiana minus one and a half at Iowa. Rutgers laying five at home against Maryland. And from the NHL, Bruins Kings under six goals. I do have an underdog pick tonight. Again, it's got to be a plus number, and this is not a big, big underdog pick, but I'm going to go ahead, since I'm all in on Indiana with the spread, 
Indiana on the money line to win straight up at Iowa is plus 100, so you can double your money on that wager. Let's just go ahead and hope that Indiana shows up on the road. I'll take Indiana on the money line as my underdog pick for tonight. 